because I want to be there for women on any level and every level is important. We think, oh, we have to have this big career. Like that might not be the path for you, you know? And that's more than okay. Um, so I just, I just want to be there on every level for helping women. That's Star Haas, today's guest on Everywhere Radio. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly and I'm your host, Whitney Kimball Coe. Each episode, I spotlight the good, scrappy, and joyful ways rural people and their allies are building a more inclusive nation. Star Haas is a powerhouse of energy, ideas, adventure, and innovation. If you follow her on social media, you know what I mean. You can see her vibe is one of exuberance and kind of a zest for adventure. On any given day, she's growing something, or baking something, or leading something, or traveling with her family between their home in Hope, Alaska, and the contiguous United States. And always, a major theme of her life is fostering women's leadership and empowerment. I first met Star when she served as the trainer director for Vote Run Lead, a national organization that trains women how to run for office and win at every level, from city council to the U.S. Congress. Star is now the founder and CEO of Community Connections Now, a company that focuses on empowering women through networking and leadership development. And she's also the founder of the nonprofit, The Everyday Bold Woman, which was formed to spotlight and provide leadership training and financial resources to women, particularly mothers and homemakers, women who have been suffering as a result of the pandemic. I've wanted to catch up with Star for a while, in large part because I want to find out more about what inspires her journey through the world, where she gets all that energy, all those ideas, and I want to know what it's like to move from Arkansas to Hope, Alaska, and I want to know why she's so convicted about empowering women leaders, especially women in rural America. So Star, I'm so glad you're here with me. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this ever since you asked me, so I'm just thrilled. Yay. Well, so I, um, yeah, I've been anticipating this conversation for a while. Back in 2020, I think, I think it was back in 2020, I was reading a blog that you wrote for, um, or an article you wrote for the Arkansas Times. And, um, and, and the story you were telling was um, about taking your daughter somewhere in the car and your daughter from the back seat asks you, what is it you do for work? And you started to tell her all the things um, that you do that you were doing then with Boat Run Lead. But, um, you know, it, it was kind of, it's a complex web um, of work uh, that you do on behalf of women. And as you were getting into it, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to give her the, the uh, simple answer, which is I help women is what you said. Right. Um, and I I loved that story because I've had that conversation with my own children in a way trying to explain, you know, what it is that I do every day besides, you know, sit on Zoom calls and email. And what is the meaning behind the work that I do? Um, so I wanted to ask you just right off the bat to go a little deeper into that answer you gave to your daughter about I help women, because I think that is what you do and it is who you are. And I want to know a little bit more about that. My story, uh, I guess a shorter form of it is I went to college. I fell in love with my high school sweetheart, um, still married today, such a wonderful and supportive husband. And um, I got my bachelor's in finance and was in accounting and finance for about eight years. And just the more, the longer I did it, I just realized 
I'm an extrovert. Not that you can't be an extrovert in that field, but I just, I didn't enjoy kind of being at a desk um, a lot of the time. And I was also a really young mother. I, um, let's see, I had Ella when I was 23 and Scarlett when I was 25. And I never changed the diaper until I had <laughs> Ella. So, um, <laughs> um, so I really went through kind of an identity crisis of, who am I? What do I want? I was um, a stay-at-home mother for a little while, really enjoyed that. And then when I felt like I could, I wanted to go back to school. And so the Clinton School of Public Service was actually in my backyard in downtown Little Rock. Um, It is, it's like either one of a few or maybe the only um, grad school in the country that offers a master in public service. And the great thing about getting a master in public service is there's so many people with different passions. You know, it might be, you know, working with the homeless or education, uh, working with rural communities. And so I chose to focus on women's empowerment. And I knew that through the Clinton School program, I could use, I have this awesome uh, class where you actually go, you find an organization of your choice and they fund you, which is incredible. And you go and work with them for, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks. And that's how I ended up with Vote Run Lead, because at the time I, uh, you know, was thinking about running for office, but I was really pulled towards women and politics um, during that time. But the more I got involved, the more, um, and this Vote Run Lead actually says this a lot, but this really just like is my heart. And so I'm going to use their motto, but um I believe in putting women first and politics second. And that was really the mantra of Vote Run Lead at that time. And it was just like a glorious fit. Um, I was there for about three years. And through that, traveled the country. Um, That's where I met you, Whitney, like you said. And um, just, I, I really excelled at connecting with others. And to this day, where like my gift that God has given me is just, networking and connecting with with people and women and and helping get them get from point a to point b whether it's in politics or um you know i i work with mothers um who are battling should i stay at home with my kids um should i go to work or um you know just time management just anything like that um so and that's where that answer with my daughter really you know rang true with i just help women because i want to be there for women on any level and every level is important, right? Like we think, oh, we have to have this big career. Like that might not be the path for you, you know? And that's more than okay. Um, So I just, I just want to be there on every level for helping women. Hmm. And what is it in your background? I know you grew up in rural Arkansas. Um, Is there, was there something in your background, some relationship with your mother, your grandmother, or or another, um, another woman in your life that led you to sort of this women's empowerment space and, um, and focus on even feminism? Yes, that's a great question. Well, I was so lucky. I was raised um, in a Southern family. We're we're a generational uh, Arkansan family. But the women in my family are just really strong. I was never held back, um, you know, from being a woman. I was always, I was blessed with always being told you can do whatever you want. And I was, you know, lucky, I was lucky to have that path. But 
seeing the strong women in my family. My grandmother is uh, definitely someone that I very much look up to. Um, she had five children really young. <laughs> like I think she had her first kid at like 19 um, and just kept having them. And she is just the most, she is the most kind woman. Um, just, you know how you sometimes meet women that just everything they do is just a blessing and you're like, oh, I want to just role model everything this woman does. That's how my grandmother is. But she also, when she wanted a career, she was like a powerhouse real estate agent and she's 82 now. And I mean, people still call her. And so she really showed me the ability to focus on family and focus on herself, but also, you know, have a great career because she wanted one. Um, so she helped a lot. And then my mother was just, um, just such a great support for me. Uh, also, you know, always said the sky's the limit. And when I went to the Clinton school, actually, <clears throat> I struggled with postpartum depression, uh, really bad, um, after my first daughter and had some rough years, really struggled with depression and anxiety and kind of fell apart. And my mom moved in with us for three years. And during that time I went to the Clinton school which changed, transformed my whole life and my career. And I'm so thankful to her because without her help with my kids during that time, I would not be here speaking to you right now. So yes, definitely mm -hmm. had some amazing women to support me in wow. Arkansas. Wow. What does it look like to support, empower a company, um, build the leadership of, of women in your world? What is... Um, what, what's, what's your toolbox? What are you, what are you doing on a day-to-day -day basis? So when I'm working with women, my toolkit is availability, but also listening. Women give off a lot of prompts, you know, and, um, I mentioned I'm an extrovert, but in the work I do, you know, training women, I just did a training a few months ago where, uh, I trained women on how to network and find their purpose. And it was an amazing training. It was so fun. Um, but I deal with a lot of introverts and I really assess, I, I try to just listen, make myself available. And I watch body language a lot. Um, and just being able to encourage women opens up like, I call it like the vault <laughs> of women, um, just a little bit of encouragement, um, like will be the difference in this amazing friendship with a woman and just my toolkit is consistency and, um, you know, kind of like an insider tip. I set reminders on when I want to check in on, you know, the women that I don't even want to say working with, like that I'm friends with. Right. Um, I think today with all the busyness of life, it's, it's, it's so easy to check, check on someone and then forget, you know, um, and I really learned that through, um, I lost my dad when I was 25, which really led me to just, you know, to really focus on what is my passion and purpose. And, um, it's just so important to be consistent and, and check in with women and, uh, navigate, you know, their emotions because some emotions could be different in a few weeks and just be that support for them. So that's like my beginner start out toolbox. And then we dive into more, on, you know, what do you want to do? How do we fund this? What does that look like? Who can we connect with to make this happen? Hmm. 
Um, and you, you've said you several times you're an extrovert, and I wonder if the pandemic, these pandemic years have been difficult for you at all in terms of your ability to connect with um, the women you want to serve, and also if, what sort of challenges you think they might have been experiencing during these yeah. two or three years. Yeah, that's a really exciting question. You saw me get <laughs> excited. Yeah, the pandemic's been really hard because at the time when the pandemic started, I was at Boat Run Lead, which is where you met me. And what I I loved working for them, what I loved the most was traveling all over the country and working with women and amping them up and not just amping them up, but showing them that they are more than enough uh, to run for office and, and to be their number one fan. And so when the pandemic hit, we had all of these live trainings that I just was my just, oh, like my soul right there, you know, um, that got canceled. And Boat Run Lee did a great job. They pivoted wonderfully with, you know, with a lot of online programming. But for me, that was difficult because, um, you know, like I said, I just, I like, it just sets my soul, you know, on fire to to meet these women where they live, uh, to be face to face. I'm a big, like, let's meet and have coffee. Um, you know, persons I have pivoted from that with a community connections. Now I, <laughs> I have, I have our Facebook group is what really took off. And I, I was just, it's really funny. My early shows, you could tell I was just like, Oh, I'm so sick of being at home. And I just started filming these interviews on my front porch in Arkansas and they really took off in the Arkansas community. It was a lot of fun, but that's kind of how I pivoted. And I'm always working on social media. I have a new TikTok account, which is funny. I feel kind of old on it, but, um, you know, I'm always playing with social media and that's kind of how I've, I've dealt with that. But when, when the pandemic did hit, I was working a lot. My husband works a lot. He's a hotelier, hotel developer, and I am just not meant to be a homeschool teacher. I'm so thrilled for those that have that calling. I do not. <laughs> and that's what brought us to rural Alaska, to Hope Alaska um, in 2020, is we rented a little cabin in this town of like 250 people so my kids could go to school. Because at the time, like so many, we didn't know what was going to happen. And in a way, that rural community just saved me Um because we did see each other. You know, we had a lot of friends and that really helped with um, just feeling cut off from the world during that time. We'll be right back after this from The Daily Yonder. Hi, I'm Xander Brown with The Daily Yonder. Check out The Yonder Report, a new weekly podcast rounding up the latest rural news produced by The Daily Yonder and Public News Service. You can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So what's the backstory behind moving your family to Hope, Alaska? Of course. So I met my husband in high school in Arkansas, and his dad is a psychiatrist. And so when he was, I think, age 8 to 12, his dad, um, you know, practiced psychiatry in Anchorage, Alaska, which is around the size of Little Rock, about 200,000 people. And he loved it. He just loved it. I always heard about Alaska. He just always talked about it. And so when we were really young, we are not big planners. And we flew into Alaska. Um, I was probably, gosh, maybe like 22. And we just rented a car and we just drove. We had no plans. 
and we were headed towards Seward on the Kenai Peninsula and it was getting late and there's this sign for those who've been to Alaska. It's just beautiful. It's just mountains, but like you are just, it's just you and your car on the road. And there's a sign for hope, like a turnoff. And we're like, well, that sounds great. You know, we'll spend the night there. And so it's about 16 miles off the Seward highway and it's a dead end road. Like you're in hope once you get there. And we just loved it. It's this teeny tiny town. It's beautiful. It's um, right again um, off of Turnigan Arm, which is like this inlet from the ocean. And in the summer, there's three restaurants now that open. In the winter time, which is of course right now, there's one restaurant. <laughs> um, we do not have a gas station. We do not have a grocery store. We do have a little market with you know some essentials, thank God. But that's it. Um, but even back then, my husband and I were so impressed. They had this beautiful, beautiful school. If you check out my Instagram, I should have some pictures. Um, but it just really caught our interest. And then four or five years later, we had a little pop-up camper. And we drove back. Uh, we actually drove through the Yukon, which was the craziest drive ever. It's like 4,000 miles from Little Rock. And I swore I would never, ever, ever do it again. And then, yes, when COVID hit, because everyone was hit, hit so hard, there was a monthly rental available. And so we were like, you know, Hope has this big, incredible school, but there's only like 25 kids, kindergarten through 12th grade. So they had this beautiful school. Um, it was built from the oil money in the 80s. And how they do it is K through five is in one classroom. So right now I have an eight and 10 year old. They're actually in the same classroom and six through 12 is in another. And the teachers are great. And so, yeah, so we, we put our kids there and right before we came back to Arkansas, our dream house, the owners came up to us. We've been trying to buy real estate for like 10 years. It's very hard to buy real estate in the community and uh, yeah, and it worked out. And so we went back to Arkansas and spent a few months and now we're back in Hope, Alaska. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm just, um, well, you know, I follow you on social media. I mentioned that at the top and, you know, I would encourage everybody else to as well because you do such an incredible job of, um, of documenting the place where you are now and Hope and um, the one uh, restaurant that is open right now and the beautiful vistas but also what you were just describing, the lack of a gas station. I think, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the lack of a, a health care facility. Yeah. Um, do these lacks of resources, um, are they barriers to the work you're trying to do? That's a good, I would say yes and no. So in the work that I do, you really have to be your biggest advocate. And luckily in today's world with technology, you really can reach so many. And so I am really able to um, share my expertise digitally and coach women digitally. Of course, we have Zoom, which I can't imagine live without Zoom. So, you know, that's, that's really great. And when I worked for Vote Run Lead, they were based and, and are still based in New York City. But I worked the whole time from Arkansas. So that really gave me a strong base on working digitally. As far as hope goes, and I'm just so lucky to have such wonderful friends in hope. 
And, um, you know, I remember one time, the first time we moved, I was with a friend and I was really having a moment. I was like, all my friends and, you know, my family, they're, my family's a big part of my life. Um, you know, I just don't know what I'm getting, what I'm doing. And she just hugged me and she's like, we got you. And as soon as that happened and, you know, just another, you know, sounding board for the power of women. Um, I just, I just went like, <sighs> you know, and I was okay. And both times it was so funny. My husband um, is developing a lot of hotels in Texas, so he will have to travel. We had like just moved to rural Alaska and he had to leave for a week. And at first I'm like, oh, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. But then he does. And I just, it like, like my strong woman switch gets flicked on. And by the time he gets back, I'm like, good. I'm like, if anything, I'm like, I need some alone time. Can you give me some space? <laughs> so like, yes, there are barriers, but there are. And, you know, I just look at it as a gift because when I met you, Whitney, I wanted to, you know, I, I, I came uh, into working, want, wanting to work in the rural women's community. But at the time I was not a rural woman. I would not have said I was now I consider myself to be a rural woman. And so I just see it as, you know, another blessing God has given me to uh, meet different types of women and, and sharpen my skills even more. Mm. Yeah. What, and what are you learning about um, rural women from this experience um, that maybe you didn't know before? Well, I don't want to say I didn't know this because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I didn't know this, but I'm constantly amazed at just how strong the women are and giving, but yeah, the women are just so there for you. And, but in the rural community, even more, I didn't, because I had kids so young, I just, I really didn't have a lot of friends that are moms in Little Rock. And that was always a struggle for me. It was very, very hard. And here in Hope, everyone has children. And it's wonderful because I have to drive to Anchorage every week, every two weeks to go to Costco, get all our food. And Anchorage is anywhere, I'd say it's an hour and a half. It's really like an hour and 45 minutes. And so a lot of the time, that's really hard for me to go to Anchorage. Get, like I have to go to two grocery stores and then, you know, God forbid, I got to go to Target or wherever else. Um, so a lot of the times I'll have to call, you know, one of the moms and say, can you get my kids from school? And that happens a lot. And that's what I love about our community is, you know, it's like a big family, like someone might, I don't, I don't want to, you know, might be frustrated with one another, just like a brother and sister, right? Not that that happens a lot, but something about this rural community, it's like, even if you don't care for someone, you're there for that person. Like you would drop anything to just go help that person. And that's, something I've never seen before living in a, in a bigger city. It's just, it's, it's humbling and um, just so special. And I, I just, I'm so happy I get to experience it. Hmm. Well, coming back to the field that you're working in and women's leadership and development, um, I'm wondering after the pandemic, it's not even over yet, mm -hmm. I mean, but on this end of the pandemic, if you've seen a new trends emerge in, in how we can better um, accompany women into leadership roles? And have you seen anything that is troubling to you about where we're headed? Um, if anything, maybe not. Over 3 million women have left the workforce since the pandemic. And that just 
stops me in my tracks every time because women have worked so hard to carve their path and to be in the workforce or whatever, whatever area they want to be in. And that really struck a chord with me, um, that number. And I was one of those women. Um, I'm no longer at Boat Run Lead and I'm a mother of two daughters. And, you know, I, I was privileged and lucky that I was able to move my family to rural Alaska, that, you know, I was able to do that, but so many women. Um, and then of course, you know, single mothers, um, you know, are struggling so much right now with having to provide an income and working during this pandemic and people not having, um, just like the, you know, the caring ability to, to realize, Hey, we are still in a pandemic <laughs> and, you know, you're seeing women burn out. They're exhausted. Um, and that has really bothered me because even in the women's empowerment, you know, sector, I've seen organizations that are there to empower women and, and they were wonderful at the beginning. And then that fades out, you know, and, and the women are working crazy long hours. And that's where, that's where the everyday bold woman uh, came to fruition is I was like, this is just not okay. And um, I started what's called the Everyday uh, Bold Mothers Fund. And so I, I did shift the organization is for all women, training all women in communications and networking and getting you to determine your purpose and, and helping you get there. But the Everyday Bold Mothers Fund is specifically for mothers. And as I dove into the world of mothers even more, I realized that there's many nonprofits that focus on mothers, um, but they tend to kind of choose to either focus on the working mother. And I took several months off where um, I went back to being a homemaker and I was like, this is really hard. <laughs> this is really hard. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to provide money for not, not only working mothers, at, you know, during the pandemic, but also, you know, women at home. Um, you know, I wanted to do that. So, yeah, so I've set up the Everyday Bold Mothers Fund. We're in just early beginning fundraising uh, for that. But the idea is that that money will go directly to help mothers. They, they go through an interview process, um, whether they're at home or working. And so the money can either help you start that that side gig, that side hustle you want to do, or it can help you, you know, I don't know, like help, help, uh, you know, maybe it's homeschooling at home. Uh, it's just, uh, the point is that every, everything that, uh, these women want to do is important and these women have a purpose, you know, whatever they deem that is. And I just wanted to provide that and keep the spotlight on these women that are suffering, you know, women in general and mothers that are suffering during the pandemic that no one seems to be focused on. Hmm. Well, uh, you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be about like, you know, what is your next big idea, big thing that you're working on? Because it seems like you've always got something in the works. Um, and is the everyday bold woman that focus right now? Yes, it, it is. Well, it's, yeah, it definitely is. So like I said, we are uh, fundraising and um, we're kind of, just we're a startup, so it's very, very small, but uh, check us out. You can go to communityconnectionsnow.com, and within that, you can find the Everyday Bold Woman and how to apply to the program. But yes, fundraising for that, and then also I'm developing trainings, uh, you know, for, for all women uh, that 
like I said, in October, I trained at the Clinton Library in Arkansas. They flew me in. It was so fun. And we focused on finding your purpose and networking to the top. So training development and, you know, helping women through that as well. Um, I always ask folks on this uh, podcast what they're reading or watching or listening to that's really speaking to them or inspiring them, making them happy. I wonder what's on your plate. What are you enjoying right now? Yeah, that's such a fun question. I'm about to go home and read all these gardening books because I'm getting really into homesteading. Um, I just want, I, I love to bake and cook, which is really new for me. Two years ago, I didn't even like know how to measure anything. It was so bad. Um, but I love just providing for my family and I, my, I really bond with my daughters in the kitchen. And now I'm really wanting to, our home that we bought has this greenhouse and this amazing garden and I don't know how to do any of it. So I think I'm going to, I have these gardening books, but I'm also reading this book. I'm blanking out on the author. It's called Detoured and it's about a mother who has this powerhouse career and um, chooses to be at home. And looking through that with a uh, godly lens. And it is a really wonderful book. And this book has just allowed me to slow down. I can be my worst enemy with not feeling productive enough. Like (laughs) I had COVID recently, which I was telling you. And like a part of, this sounds so weird, but a gift of that is I just relaxed. And I was like present. And this detoured book, uh, you can get it off of Amazon, just does an excellent job of like highlighting the everyday little things and, you know, praising God for those moments and just realizing your worth. And so I'm really enjoying that book right now. Thank you for that recommendation. It kind of fits in with, I don't know, just where the way we've been in the world the last couple of years. I think we're all taking slight detours and maybe for the better for some of us, um, hopefully for the better. Um, I've, gosh, I've enjoyed hearing you talk about all of these things, all your interests, all your passions and the, your move to Alaska is really inspiring. Um, I'm going to keep following you on social media and now find you on, find you on Twitter for sure. TikTok. Um, I'm not TikTok. I'm sorry. Not Twitter. TikTok. TikTok. Yes. 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 Which is has become one of my uh, pandemic habits now is TikTok. It's so fun. My husband is, it's so funny. He's like going viral on my account. We do a lot of funny videos and stuff like that. So yeah, we'd love for you to follow along. Okay. A lot of bloopers, a lot of bloopers from our Alaska living. I think you'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> Those are the best. Those are the best. Yeah, well, Starhouse, yeah. thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for folks to hear from you. Thank you, Whitney. It's always a pleasure with your organization. I'm just such a fan and I'm so happy I could help contribute. If you enjoyed Everywhere Radio, we'd love for you to consider subscribing to the General Rural Assembly newsletter. That's where we promote new offerings from the Assembly and we amplify the good work of our many partners across the country. We've also launched a new policy advocacy newsletter that comes to inboxes on Mondays to help you start each week with a quick take on the top issues that we're tracking across the nation. Everything from broadband policy to rural vaccinations. Just head over to ruralassembly.org to sign up. If you're a true fan of Everywhere Radio, please let us know by rating us wherever you get your podcast. If this isn't your cup of tea, that's no biggie. It's fine. 
And we'd like to thank our media partner, The Daily Yonder. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly. Our senior producer is Joel Cohen, and our associate producers are Xander Brown and Teresa Collins. And we're grateful for the love and support of the whole team at the Center for Rural Strategies. Love you. Mean it. You can be anywhere. We'll be everywhere. <laughs>